Every time Kurt makes a move, he wants you to think you're ahead. But you're not. Hello, Dexter Morgan fans, and welcome to the Dexter New Blood Wrap-Up Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Reynolds, writer and producer of the Showtime original series, Dexter, and now the new Showtime special event series, Dexter New Blood. First things first, for those Dexter New Blood Wrap-Up listeners who don't have Showtime yet, and you're watching it on your mom's account or something, I don't know, uh, visit show.com forward slash Dexter pod for a special limited time offer. Try Showtime free for 30 days, then pay just $8.99 a month for 12 months. This offer is for new customers only and expires January 3rd, 2022. And uh, you want to get this before we get to the finale because it's uh, some, some good things are afoot. And now joining me to talk about assembling all the very complex pieces of episode seven is the amazing, wonderful, everybody give her a warm round of applause, Dexter New Blood editor, Perry Frank. Yay, it's Perry. Ah. <laughs> Hello. And later we're going to talk to writers Kirsa Rain and Ali Salerno about how the story came together. So uh, let's get into it. <laughs> um, Perry, Frank, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm very good. Yeah, it's great to, great to see you. Uh, we've had quite a... Quite a journey. What episodes did you uh, edit this this season? Want to tell everybody? Um, episode one, two, seven, and eight. Yeah. So you, like you help sort of launch the feel of this show, and then like things go crazy for seven and eight. So uh, that's uh, thanks for doing that. How'd you become an editor? Talk about your journey to becoming an editor. Well, that's actually interesting. So I did not go to film school. But I went hey, to me neither. <laughs> Purchase College, which had a film program, and all of my friends were in the film program. And so after college was over, a friend of mine said, hey, this um, post-production house is looking for a receptionist. Are you interested? And I said, sure. Oh. It was in the city. I lived in Long Island. I was like, anything to get out of Long Island. So <laughs> I took this job, and then I started seeing what the people were doing there, and I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. I really like this. So I started asking everybody, all the editors, if I could help them when I was done with my receptionist duties. And so I started helping them after work every night. And then I started just hanging around nights, weekends, like, you know, whenever people needed, I just was fascinated by the whole process. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of learned on their time, which was really great. <laughs> And so I didn't yeah. have to pay for the film school, but <laughs> yeah. So that that was it. That that launched it, and then you know I was a tech, and then a few years later I was an assistant editor, and I got to work with some really great editors. I worked with Tim Strito and Kate Sanford, and they're wonderful and talented, and you know just worked my way up from there. Oh, that's great. Uh, did did yeah. you have? Were you like a big film person like did you go to the movies all the time or you watch tv all the time or oh of was course even that sort I, of I loved I loved movies I loved tv that was like one thing when I was when I was really little um my mom would keep me up on like Friday nights and we would just watch tv together and I watched like a lot of old movies with her like I really love Doris Day movies like that was like a thing <laughs> we did together we watched Audrey Hepburn movies we just you know, I, I just, I love, I still watch them all because I, I love them to pieces. So that, that kind of launched me into that. Were you a fan of, like when you got word that you could do Dexter, had you, had you watched it? Did you catch up on it? Or where were you as far as Dexter goes? I was like, 
Oh my God. I uh, could not believe. I was like, if you told like, you know, 2008, 2009 Perry that she would have an opportunity to work on Dexter, I was just, I would laugh in your face. I just couldn't (laughs) believe it. I was like, this is a show that I watched just, I I watched it, you know, every week I would, I would, you know, I'd wait, I'd I'd been, I'd been dropped. Like it was just, it was, I couldn't believe it, you know? And when I heard it was coming back, I was like, wow, that's so cool. It's coming back. I wonder what's going to happen. And then I get this phone call and I was like, this can't, this can't be real. (laughs) Really? (laughs) So I was extremely excited. Did you have to sort of like, you know, I mean, as, as, and when we were putting the show together, you know, as, as writers in the writer's room, you know, a year and a half ago, whatever it was, um, I had to sort of like rewire my brain a little bit to tell Dexter the way we're telling it, not, not do it the way we used to do it, you know? Did you come into it with like expectations about it being, you know, looking and sounding like the old show? Or did you just like, the minute, the minute you heard Marcos's pitch, and how it was going to look, like you didn't have to think about it even. When I heard Marcos and Sandy talk about what they wanted to do, I was like, this is great. Like, this is, this is a new story. We're in a new place with this guy, and yeah. he's, he's living this, you know, just whittled down life. And I just, I had kind of been, because, you know, during the pandemic, I hadn't been doing a lot except for watching a lot of television. And I was really into <laughs> Tiny House Nation at the time. I don't know if I'm watching this, but, but all of a sudden I started thinking that, like, this was, this, this is how I saw Dexter, like, in this, yeah. this new world where he was, it was just efficient. And, you know, when, I thought about it. I was like, this all makes sense and this clicks. And I, and it felt a little bit, you know, I mean, yes, we're, we're in upstate New York, so it's colder and whatnot, but like yeah. colder in just like every sense of the, the word, you know, like we're just, it's not the, it's not the tightness and, and hustle and bustle of Miami. No, you really, you really introduced us to Dexter's world with that, like that first, was it like six minutes of, Basically, silence, other than a song, you know, of of Dexter's running through the woods to um, to to the passenger, uh, building that up, this looking for connection with the deer. You want to talk about just like assembling that first? Because I mean, I I remember in the room we were like, we were kind of freaking out. I was like, is this the way to start the show? Is this is this the way to really launch a new season of Dexter? No, you know, I got the footage and I watched the footage and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Like this is just gorgeous. And so I sat with the footage and I just kept watching it over and over. And I kept kind of just watching the movements that Dexter was doing when he was traveling through the woods. And I, I just kind of like, it was almost like choreography. It was like a dance. And I, Mm. when I, put, you know, we, we tried a couple of different songs, but we landed on Passenger pretty early on and it was just the right song. Like it propelled us in. Yeah. I was driving home one day and it came on my iPod and I was like, Marcos, Marcos, I have a song. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. And, you know, we all kind of fell in love with it. And I think that, you know, it just, it just, the pacing of it just helped kind of figure out like just these gorgeous parts of the woods and just use the most beautiful parts of, of Dexter running in this, you know, 
solitary, gorgeous environment, you know? Yeah. Because that's the thing that I think people don't realize is that you probably got, I remember because I was there on the day, you probably got like two hours worth of Dexter running, <laughs> you know? Oh, no more. It was definitely more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then you have to not only just acknowledge that it's beautiful looking and in different shots and different, you know, closer and further away, and but also tell the story of, of Dexter and this deer. Yeah, and that was, you know, that was something that we had talked about too. Cause so, you know, Marcus and I sat there and we're like, okay, well, when do we bring the deer into it? And yeah. what, like, how long are we, are we showing is Dexter running from something? Is he... Yeah. Running, is he hunting? You know, is he, yeah, is he hunting something? Like, what, you know, what is he doing in this moment? Do we show the deer right away? And I think we kind of went back and forth a couple of different times of, like, showing the deer early on and then taking the deer out and kind of leaving the mystery as, like, you know, is he being chased or is he chasing? Um, so we wanted that intensity in there. So we had to look for those moments of, of him, too, of, like, just, of his energy and yeah. kind of almost being like a little ambiguous in yeah. a way, um, which I thought worked out really well. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. And then you know, and then you then you launch into the the uh, the chores that he does that feel very like Dexter does this every day. This is how he controls his life, and you and you the way you cut that. You could feel it, and you cut that in silence, as opposed to like this almost music video opening. Does silence yeah. is so, silence daunting to you, or is it fine? Because no, I I actually that was like a choice. Like I I felt that like immediately. Like I I you know thought when I got the footage, I was like, huh, what music am I, am I going to use here? And then I cut it together, and I was like, no, there there needs to be no music here. This has to live in this this just this quiet world that Dexter now lives in that is just like completely different almost. than yeah exactly monastic and completely different than the world of Miami and so I called Marcos and I was like I don't think there should be music here and he was like I don't either yeah. you know and we just we were like this is this is it you know he's he's like you said, he's 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 in this monastic world right now. He has this routine. This is what he does daily, and and how he, this is his life. Yeah, let's talk about episode seven. I just I really wanted to talk about that opening. Let's talk about the process of what you do as an editor. You start getting footage, and then go from there. So episode seven is is interesting because it's it's you know we're pivoting a little and we're, we're in this story with Angela a lot. And so one thing that I do, which I'm sure obviously as a writer, you do you create these backstories and, you know, like where the actors were an hour ago or, you know, what they're doing, what, where their mindset is. And so obviously, you know, we leave off in six and we see that Angela has just, you know, found this desiccated corpse and we don't know who it is yet. But, you know, in my mind, I spent a lot of time on this scene. I love this scene so much. This open of seven, I just, I find it so beautiful. Like, Angela has to put aside the fact that she just found out her boyfriend's been lying to her. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like, she has to put that aside. And she has to be a cop now. But this is also... And she happens to have... 
Yeah, she happens to have like the world's greatest CSI in her in her small town. That's why she's like, I don't need Jim Lindsay. Then the last episode catch everybody up. I don't need Jim Lindsay. I need Dexter Morgan. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah, right. And so she learns that this is Iris, and she has to. She wants to break down. It's been twenty five years, you know, since yes, you know, she's friend. seen her best friend. But at the same time, she has to be a cop. So. Thinking as I went through this footage, because Sandy did a really great job in directing this episode, yeah. and you know he really worked with them on getting performances and kind of bearing up some of the performances too. And so it is kind of like again, this is something where like I labored through the footage to just try to create this cop, yet also this is also her best friend that we just found right. and. This core mystery to her whole life, basically. Yeah. You know? I mean, every scene when Julia would, you know, on set, she would talk about the thing that's always in the back of her head is she lost her best friend, Iris, and it's, you know, kind of her fault. She thinks, you know, whether that's true or it's not true, but that's what she thinks, yeah. Right, and she, she says that later on, you know, yeah. and Molly kind of stops her from that, but becomes the voice of reason there. But she has to also then, at the same time, she has to put aside this, this Dexter thing. And yeah. she needs Dexter for, for who he is. And so there's a lot happening in this scene. This yeah. is a lot of emotion. There's a lot of, you know, trying to, you know, be in the moment and be a cop. Like, there's just so much going on. And, and I, I just, in the end, I, I, just, I, lo- I just kept watching it over and over. And I just, I love the pacing of it. And I love how she, how they, they work together kind of at the yeah. end of it. Yeah, that you, you really captured a moment on set, the way you sort of emotionally cut it together, the way that when Dexter starts getting really into the, you know, the, he's, he's slipping on that old skin again of like, oh, I'm at a crime scene, it's a dead body. You know, we're, we're trying to like call back some of those feelings that Dexter had at, way back in season one with the, um, with the ice truck killer, finding that body in the, in the pool. Where he's got to sort of like tamp it down because he, he just wants to touch the body. You know, he wants to like... He wants to solve it, but also he's so interested in death. And, he, and then he stops himself and he looks up and he's like, is it okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. And that, yeah. that and was something too, it. like where I, I was trying to, with him, like cut a little bit, like put a little pace, you know, pace his, his stuff up. So it was like, look, he's excited, but he's trying not to yeah. be too excited, but he's very excited. <laughs> yeah. Like he's doing his thing. This is, you know, he hasn't been able to do this, uh, you know, so he's, he, he's in there, and I, I remember I, because every so often I would just kind of like flip back through, you know, older episodes, and I would just, I would just look, and and that that was kind of like a callback into to some of the the older episodes of just that that, and I felt like that was the right place to do that to to have him just in his element right there. Yeah, it's like we've been waiting for this, and have her just kind of look at him like, whoa, like this is like he, he's. This is his thing, you know. Like she doesn't know any of this, so you know it's it's exciting, and I, and I feel like even just with the you know the music that was composed for it, it was like we kind of bring back the Dexter element of you know yeah. the Dexter theme to the to the music. Like the, he, he's back, you know. Like yeah. I mean, it's 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 a fun moment. Um, this whole episode is just 
there's just so many great, great moments in this episode. So when you read the script, like, I guess that's what I want to get into. Like, so you have the script in front of you, you read the script beforehand and then you start getting footage mm-hmm. in and you, and because of the way we shot it, it isn't like a normal television show where you, we start shooting episode seven and then you'll just start getting all the seven footage in. You were getting, you know, running around in the woods was like week one. Uh, the police station was six months later, practically, right? Uh, yeah. You're just getting, you're, you're getting it much more piecemeal than a normal television show. So do you just th- sort of like, you get footage from a scene and then you just start working on that scene or? Yeah. Uh, so I was getting, I was getting random footage, which was, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, like sometimes they'll block an episode, but it'll be like, you know, one and two get blocked together. Like yeah. you were saying, you get, you know, so over, but of course, we were two blocking weeks. the entire series. So. I was getting, you know, scenes from, I got a couple of things from episode seven in the beginning. And then in the middle, all of a sudden it was like just an, like, you know, we shot 120 something days. And so in day 50, I think I got like a week of footage from episode seven, you know, and then I didn't get footage of it until like the last week I was getting footage and I was like, oh my God. And so it was interesting watching it come together because I would get the pieces and I would cut this, I would cut the scenes and I wouldn't really have, you know, there, there's a couple of moments where like, I didn't have, I think we got like the diner and the Harris and stuff like, um, about halfway through at a certain, yeah, like halfway through at a certain time. So I cut that stuff early on and then when I got all the footage around it and I cut those scenes, I went back to it and I was like, Oh God, I have to, I have to rework this. This doesn't work with the scenes before and after at all. Like it worked on its own, but I have to now massage it so that it fits within everything. I think I cut like, because Harrison, you know, was putting on the, he was putting on his work outfit, which, Maybe it's Harrison, maybe it's Dexter. You feel like it's Dexter. Yeah, yeah. He's putting on all the same garb that Dexter did. You were you you mimicked the again, like the beginning of the episode when Dexter is about to start working on a body, we get the callbacks to season one. When he's putting on all his gear, that's we've seen that happen before with Dexter. Yeah, it was a it was a great hide. Yeah. So I just like I had to kind of like rework a couple of things in there, make that, you know, fit better and then, you know, kind of rework the diner a little bit like it was it was it was interesting and in, in kind of like creating my I call I call my first version like the rough cut version kind of my outline of like how I outline mm. the scene of like you know here are the beats that I need so I understand what beats that I need and then as I get the footage you know the scenes around it I start feeling like how I need to like bring in the emotion to the scene. And so I start, you know, working on it that way. And then I show it to Sandy and then he's like, oh, well, by take four, I actually had, I had Dexter do this line this certain way. And so I, I, we need to sort of emphasize this moment. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, thank you. Like, you know, you're the director. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) So... 
Um, so then we started to bring those elements into it and that's really cool. And then I'm like, oh, wow. Like, you know, it's like these just like little nuances that, that you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like now, like I see that now, like within, within the actual scene. Um, and then, you know, we move on to the next step from there and then we work with you guys, the producers, and then that's like a whole new element of, of, (laughs) you know, working the scenes. And so it's really interesting, like just how it progresses. And then by the end of it, we're like, okay, now we've found the best parts of it. And I love that. I love that process. I I remember like one of the things when I saw the, 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 you know, the director's cut after one of the great surprises was the decision to have Harrison look to camera after he brings the, the face shield down and then he looks at us, which is a Dexter move. No one else has done that on this show. Um, uh, that was, was that, did you do that? Was that a, like, I mean, no, I, know he, was, I know he performed it, but. Yeah, no, that was, that was Sandy's idea. And yeah. when I saw it on the footage, I was like, oh, that's perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like he just, you know, Jack just really just did that so well. I, yeah. You know, he just, he has this really good stare into the camera. That's yeah, very, yeah. you know, he's, it's kind of scary. Bringing us in. It was pretty cool. The Clash of the Titans scene of Kurt and Dexter. Um, want to talk about the process of cutting that scene together? Because that's a, one of my favorites too. Those, those two, so good. The footage was so good in that scene. Yeah. Like, it was just done it's so still, well. So, you know, it's not like the cave scene where there's movement and the camera comes in and out. You're shooting through a wall. You know, there's like lots of there's lots of stuff that are going on that you're able to yeah. use. This is two guys. The minute Kurt sits at that table, they don't they don't move. <laughs> there's not a lot you can do. But once they you get do. Going. They get a little bit closer and closer, and so we're trying to bring that in. And so there was just I remember there was just this moment. And I don't know if if Michael Hall was just taking like a sip of coffee because he just needed a sip of coffee. But there was this like, what thing he did this one time and I was like, and he looks at Kurt and I was like, that is so perfect. Like it's so snarky and I, I love it. And I just, I want him to, he's like, I got, I, I, I know what you're doing here, you know? And and I, I love that moment. And so, like, there's just little things that they both did. These just these looks, and I, and a lot of it is just like they just give each other these looks that are just yeah. so good. And 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 uh, like <laughs> you know, because it's, it's all in the it's, eyes. Yeah, it's all they're 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 saying things to each other, but it's the it's the stuff that's traveling. These two killers facing off. You know, traveling the 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 energy is traveling, but that's underneath everything they're saying. The subtext is what really makes that scene. Watching those two guys, that's what makes it hum. You know, um, yeah, and they're calm and like you know, like they're just it's it's. Oops. And they both think they've it's got very, something over on the other person. Like they, they both think they know something more than the other person knows. Let's talk about uh, Kurt and Angela. You had another, it's funny, you had like these two very sort of still scenes, um, the, you know, the conversation at the table and then Kurt and Angela sitting across from each other at the uh, interrogation room. 
Um, we'll talk about the assemblage of that, like how you put that thing together. And I, again, are you daunted by these scenes when, when you when you get to a script and you read a scene and you're like, "Wow, it's two people sitting at a table." Huh. I do, yeah, I'm like, okay, all right, how is this going to be interesting? But then, you know, the the footage arrives and I see, like, what the director has done and, and how he's worked with the actors. And, again, Sandy did, like, a really, really nice job here where yeah. these these two people are also, like, trying to remain you know, Angela's trying to be a cop here and remain calm and collected and, you know, thinking that, you know, she might have the guy who killed her, killed her best friend. Right. And so she has to do her job here. And again, I feel like she just nailed this one super yeah. hard. And, you know, so did Kurt. Like, they just, they were such good, you know, like, they worked so well with each other. Just yeah. like sitting there and she's on to him and she's, she's, you know, she's not trying to get too excited, but she, she's got not it. Trying to let her she's emotions. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Not let her anger rise up. You know, I can't imagine sitting across from someone that you thought murdered your best friend, you know? And then I can't believe how cool he tries to play it. He's like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, just like, you know, he's he's all like macho and, and you sweetheart. Know, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, sweetheart. And she's like, uh huh, yeah, we're doing this. And you okay. ca- you you caught that moment too, just like cutting back to her and seeing that hit her. It's those little moments yeah. that make scenes work. You know what I mean? It's not just a bunch of words flying back and forth. It's you you always capture the, like the 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 emotional face off that's sort of happening in those quiet little moments. Uh yeah, it's great. That's a lot of watching over and over, you know? Like, you just got to really just go through that footage, like, just kind of keep watching it down and keep watching the takes down to just see, like, where do they, where do, they do these, these small, subtle things that are just yeah. become, you know, just so much larger and so much more powerful and, and impact the moment so hard. And Kurt, Angela, they both bring that in that scene really well. So you might watch a whole, you might watch a take and it's not a great take and you have to resist, resist the urge to be, you know, like they're forgetting lines or something like that, which didn't happen that often, but sometimes it did. Um, And then not just turn it off, but watch it till the end because you might find that moment that you're talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, sometimes like I'll go back to a take that I was like, I, you know, I didn't really like that take. They weren't really, you know, like you said, it's like something just wasn't right when I just watched it as a whole take. But then when I'm cutting the scene together, I'm like, I'll remember something that they had done in the take that maybe I didn't like as much. And I will use a moment from there and it works perfectly. And so like, that's, that's the beauty of, of, of editing is being able to go, you know, pull from, you know, take one through eight, just all the pieces that you need. Yeah. And then, and then like the, how great our actors are. And so it, within that scene, you have to, you have to then uh, put together this other scene of the truth about Kurt um, when he's t- telling the story about what happened with Iris, uh, oh, which is... Yeah. Which is a lot, which is uh, very different 
in the way it's shot from the, the interrogation scene. It's like a little dreamier. It's a lot more, uh, it's got a sense of perspective. Um, when I talk about putting together the truth about Kurt, yeah, Iris and no. little, little, little Kurt, and then Tina, you know, 20 year, 20 something Kurt. Yeah. So now where, you know, he's, you know, Kurt realizes that, you know, he, he's about to have to get like, you know, he's going to be, I guess, is, is this like a deposition? Is, it depo- is that, is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, yeah. he knows, he knows he's in trouble. The minute he finds out about the, the DNA that it matches to his own because of what happened right. in episode three, that he, you know, he gave his DNA to try to find his son. Uh, he's like, all right, I gotta, how do I get out of this one? Uh, right. Yeah. So he's gotta, he's gotta spin a tail and that's what we're about to, we're about to see this tail. And so it's very much shot, you know, in that way. And so we, we cut to him and the first thing, you know, when, when, we see this truck go down a road and we see this person in there. It's this beautiful shot. And, and then the person gets into the, into this truck and it's, it's Iris. Yeah. And the person in the truck introduces himself and he says, I'm Kurt. And now Kurt's telling the story that this is his father. Yeah. And so this is the first time we're, we're like, Oh shit. You jerk. <laughs> well, uh, to be nice, it's a nice a nice yeah. term, and we're like, oh shit, where is it? You know, like how is this gonna unfold, right? And then, you know, we we start to see this this tale unfold, and 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 Kurt, you know, we go back and forth from present to to Kurt's story in the past, and we just see Kurt starting to ham it up. Yeah. You know, and Angela's not buying it for one minute. She's like, "Come on," <laughs> yeah. and and the lawyer is just, you know, he's he's in it. He's he's yeah. he he feels he feels bad for for Kurt. He's had this really, you know, he he grew up in this. He had this abusive childhood. His father was abusing these women, and then you know, he, yeah, that little you know, that little bitty Kurt was great. That little kid was. Uh, uh, every take, he was—he broke your heart, which is kind of the yeah. secret to having a good big bad. Is like there should be some story that kind of breaks your heart a little bit. So you're like, ah, I kind of get it, but I don't know. <laughs> you could handle it differently. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, and then he picks up Iris, and then you know, he, there is a moment where he's like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you home. Like you shouldn't be out here by yourself, and and it's going in the right direction, and then. Yeah. All of a sudden, he just he clicks, and he's like, it's almost like he is, you know, I'm saving you from what's out there, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, mm, you could have handled that a little bit differently. Bad patriarchy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there were other choices to be had. Um, yeah. And Junker, he was just, he was great, too. And because he also yeah. he has this innocence to him as well, and so it's he was really good, um, you know. And then we see the moment that he he makes a decision and that launches him into the man that he is today. Yeah. Um, chasing that thing, that thrill, that you know, this power, evil yeah. intent. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a 
again, another scene you cut together so beautifully. Um, you had great footage from Sandy and great performances from all the actors, of course, and a pretty good script, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, it was uh, it was it was a joy to to sort of see that whole that whole setup. Um, Dexter Harrison scenes. Are there any Dexter Harrison scenes that you sort of loved during that episode that were a challenge that were because it leads to it leads to another revelation, you know, in the same way that Kurt. The same way that Kurt, we get to see the truth about Kurt, we get to see the truth about Harrison. I mean, I remember that was, the truth about Harrison was one of my favorite days on set when we were able to have Mr. Lithgow arrive, <laughs> the Trinity killer. And I sort of like storytelling of Jack when we were in the room, it was like he's had these flashes his whole life of, of his mother being killed and of water and blood and a, and a razor and this leering giant human being you know, stepping out of he 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 remembers it in the way that like a little kid remembers it, but maybe a little bit sharper, because he's able to read about the Trinity Killer. He's able to re, you know, so yeah, and it really you just comes into focus. About it, yeah, yeah. The, the podcast helped it really come into focus for him. Yeah. So so this is their moment, and yeah. he just you know he confronts him. He confront you know Harrison confronts his dad um, Dexter, and he's like. And Dexter, right. like, I, I'm like, it, it just, the thing, there, there was just so many things going on there. I was like, it, I was like, Dexter now has to hear this. And like, he's just, you know, in his footage, I'm like, finding the moments where he's like, what is he going to say? Like, yeah. what is he going to tell me? Like, I've been trying to, you know, I, I, I just hope he, you know, the whole time he's hoping he doesn't remember. And I just, you just kind of feel like his gut, like it's a big gut punch to him, you know? Yeah. And Harrison's like whole story like unfolds. And, and I think it's like, it's unfolding even more. I think this is his, his final realization of like, oh my God, like you knew, you knew this, this whole time. That and I was fucked up and bad inside. Yeah. Yeah, and so he's, you know, like, and and Dexter, like, he's not the best at the, you know, the emotionals, and he doesn't, he can't really. No, one of the the choices that that he made, like, uh, from, like, episode two, I think, uh, is whenever he wants to really open up, and you can see it throughout the, if you watch for it throughout the season, you'll, you'll see it a lot. It's that, like, Dexter will place, Michael would place something sort of between he and his son, between he and Harrison. Like whether it's like the ladder inside the apart, you know, his uh, his log cabin, that when he's talking to him, he's, it's like this thing that's pressed up against his chest and not letting him step forward. Mm-hmm. And then he found that pole, remember uh, at the mm-hmm. uh, at, at the gas station. That when he's talking, it's like up against his chest and it's like holding him back. Like he finds these physical things that 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 are. Uh, literally making true <laughs> how he's feeling. Um, it was such a great intuitive thing that that Michael chose to do. It's kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but he's you know he can't he can't like just reach out and you know yeah. like he doesn't know what to do. He's just like just don't go. You know like yeah. And. Harrison. And then you got is, Trinity in the middle of it. What was it like? And then we got Trinity, Trinity in the middle footage. of it. I was like, that was so awesome. I was just like, wow, this is so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I mean, when 
when you were writing that scene, I can't even imagine. It was probably like kind of like overjoyed and like, whoa, this is sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, the day on set too, like Lithgow, Lithgow was like, uh, it was just he just slipped right back into the, into that character again too, so easily. He just showed up on set and he, and I, you know we're sitting there waiting for Lithgow to come down and he comes down, he sits down next to me and he's in his robe and he's like, oh, hello, Scott. And we talked about like his children books that he's been writing and he sings a little song. Uh, it's, you know, the kindest, you know, human being you've ever met in your whole entire life. And then he's like, oh, you know, I said, he's like, all right, we're ready to go. And so he's like, okay. Steps into the bathtub <laughs> with, the, you know, the actress is like, excuse me, I've done this before, but don't worry, it's going to be fine. And he just <laughs> turned into that guy, like just like that. There, there, little, you know, daddy will be home soon. Um, incredible. <laughs> it was so incredible. The way he came out of the tub, even just all of his movements were just, yeah. I was so creepy and it was so good. And, and yeah, it's beautiful and, and horrific. It was beautiful and horrific. And, he, and the way Sandy really, shot it of like, this, this thing, you know, the way a little kid even sees of like this way out of focus, skin bloody blob as it, and, and it comes in, you know, he kept the focus real tight. And so he, so until his head came into frame and you saw who it was. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then as Harrison, you know, as Harrison is telling the story and it's like kind of, you know, it's like he, he it's like you're seeing it unfold. For yeah. you know, it's unfolding for us as it's unfolding for Harrison, which I love. Yeah. And then, bam, it's Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great, and and Sandy Sandy made a lot of like bold choices too of 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 shooting things that in Harrison's point of view sort of story, which is something we never really did on the show before. It's always it's always been Dexter's point of view. But even like shooting down low and looking up at Harrison in those sort of weird angles, which are things we mostly save for Dexter and voiceover and, and, and things like that. Um, they're sort of sh sharing, you know, there's lots of moments where, where Harrison's sharing perspective uh, and point of view with Dexter. Um, and in and, and the way you cut it together, it just sort of feels natural. It doesn't feel jarring or anything. Um, yeah, I yeah. I felt like, you know, this was the kind of the first time that we've done that. And so yeah. at the same time, I had to try to keep, you know, keep it as also, this is also Dexter, you know, like his yeah. story as well. So there was... Yeah, his know, story is Dexter's story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, main, main, you know, keeping him throughout that and, you know... He he knows what Harrison is about to say. He just doesn't want him to say. He doesn't want Harrison to know that, you know. Yeah, and then finally Dexter gets to that point where he's like, "That's it, you know. I'm gonna ignore what my my ghost dead sister says to not reveal the whole truth to my son. I have to tell him everything." And in walks Elric Kane. <laughs> Scary, big, burly Eric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, and grabs Dexter. I mean, talk about a cliffhanger. And you, you came up with like amazing solutions for that cliffhangery sort of feeling of sort of reflections and combining footage. And it was, uh, 
you 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 were amazing with with how you brought that all together. We needed to keep it at that, like Dexter was, you know, he's he's lost in a thought now. Like he's got yeah. a, you know, Harrison just ran away from him. He's he's lost in this idea, and he he's kind of got to change. He can't just roll with the fact that Harrison is, you know, Harrison doesn't remember what happened, you know, and he has to. Yeah. He has to kind of appeal to him now and, and say, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I have a dark passenger too. Yeah. 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 And that's a lot for Dexter, you know, who's normally like a, a predator who's very aware of his surroundings. He is the most internal that will ever, we'll ever see him pretty much, you know, because he cares so deeply about his son. And that's how that guy is able to sort of come up behind and cinch him, grab him, the giant. El- Elric Kane, the giant, yeah. Um, do you have any like uh, favorite memories about working on this on the show or behind the scenes stuff that you just are moments? I very much enjoyed our sessions together because we worked in a very different way than I've ever worked in yes. all of my career, and it was so interesting to be working uh, through Zoom with you guys. You guys are staring at my face and I'm trying, you know, I'm editing and, and every so often I'd look over and be like, oh, hey guys, like you're right there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it was sweet because I feel like we got, you know, we got to be a bit of a family in that way where we were, you know, you guys weren't sitting behind me. And, and yes, there's something to be said for being in the same room together and like stopping and eating lunch together and all that stuff. But yeah. I, I feel like we we really embraced this work from home situation. Yeah, it was and great. It was really fun. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on the show, Perry. Uh, not only you. Dexter, but uh, the Dexter Wrap Up podcast uh, and letting people sort of see behind the curtain and how you put a show together and you put shows together so well. Oh my God. You're the best. Well, thank you for having me. This is wonderful. And now join me to break down skin of her teeth. Episode seven of Dexter new blood, our Dexter writers, uh, the amazing Kirsa rain and the equally amazing Allie Salerno. Hello friends. Hey Scott. Hello. Hey man. Thanks for having us. Oh man. You kidding me? The show wouldn't be the same without you two. You guys, uh, uh, all the way through. Um, like I'd never worked with either of you before. Uh, let's talk about where you came from, how you became writers. Uh, let's go. We'll go alphabetical this time and start with Kirsa. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> sure. Um, how I started as a writer. Um, I because where are you from? I mean, that's I, oh, okay. I think half of your fun story is where you're from because you don't meet a lot of writers. F- from where you're from. I haven't really. It's true. I I grew up in Montana in a town called Bozeman, um, which is a little bit of a cool town right now. But when I was growing up was very, uh, just sort of normal, small town, Montana. Yeah. Um, and it's the biggest town in Montana, right? Or is, is Helena bigger? That is not true. No, (laughs) it is not. feels like it. (laughs) It is. It's maybe like the fourth biggest. I don't know. Like it was, Billings is bigger. Okay. Missoula is bigger. Um, and yeah, it took me a while to realize I wanted to be a writer. I thought I wanted to be a forensic psychologist for the FBI at first. <laughs> um, that's what that's I adjacent. went to college. 
yeah, to study. I mean, in hindsight, I think I just really liked the X-Files <laughs> and thought like, oh, I'll be Scully. But, it, you know, like turns out I just really wanted to watch it. Um, and after college, I, I moved to New York and I started working in publishing oh, and wow. had sort of a little brief career doing that first. Um, but I was also writing plays at the time and I had started doing that my last year of college. And it was from playwriting that I got to TV writing. I went to USC for grad school and just really fell in love with the way that you could be character focused in TV like you are in plays, but also, you know, you could have more than two characters and you could blow things up. And uh, it just seemed like a perfect marriage of what I loved about playwriting plus, you know, the opportunity to like get to see yourself stuff produced and uh, to get paid for it. So that's sort of how I ended up making that swerve. And one of your first shows, you came up, you came up through the ranks kind of like I did, right? Like I I did. Yeah. I I did the assistant thing like Allie did. Um, And cause I, you know, I didn't have any connections to Hollywood. I didn't have anybody to sort of intro me into this world. So the first thing I did out of grad school was to, just get an assistant job. And I happened to land at the absolute best place on earth, which was uh, Orange is the New Black. Oh my gosh. Which was, it hadn't come out yet. I started on the second season, but the first season hadn't come out yet. And at that point, you know, Netflix was... What's Netflix? They had House of Cards, but that's it. Like, And so sort of nobody knew what this thing was going to become. And then Orange was a huge hit and it was just a wonderful group of people and I had bosses who really supported me and I worked my way up from writer's PA to writer's assistant and script coordinator and I got a script and that went well and so then they staffed me following that and then yeah I stayed on orange until it ended I they had to kick me out of that place it was so great (laughs) uh yeah Allie how about you how did you uh get in this thing pretty similar, I think, to to you and to Kirsa, um, although I had kind of a little bit of a later start because I was a teacher for a long time. What? Yeah, I, it's, I know. It's weird if you know me because you're like, who let you do that? <laughs> oh, no. It makes sense. It makes sense. But, um, yeah, I wanted... Like, what did you teach? I, I taught like college-level writing, like just like how to write essays oh, wow. and a little bit of creative writing because yeah. I had wanted to be a novelist yeah. for a long time, which when I met Kirsa, I was really excited about that because she had worked in publishing and um, yeah. so it was like there was a kinship there because I had was banging on the door of publishing for a long time and it never opened because books are hard. You know, they're long. <laughs> books are so hard. Books are they're, hard. They keep going and when do you yes, end it? No, yeah. that's exactly the problem I had. So um, so I ended up moving to, to um, LA uh, to try to be a TV writer because I really wanted to make a living telling stories. And it was such a hard road to try and be a novelist. Um, and I ended up doing a similar thing where I was an assistant on a couple of shows and those, the people who I worked under were really generous to me. So I started on a show called Hand of God, um, the second season of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I ended up as an assistant on Truth Be Told, which is on Apple. And I got a, a co-write credit on a freelance episode there and met someone that introduced me to my, who ended up being my agent. And so it sprang from there. And then this was actually my first staffing gig, which I was extremely fortunate and grateful to get. 
Yeah, it was fun. It was it was a it was a weird weird time to be a television writer, but it was uh, it was super good because you know what? Yeah, there's very much a before and after of like the first half of the room was this yeah. like wonderful, lovely all togetherness, and then the second half of the room was this on screen trying to figure out what we're doing. The world was burning, you know, yeah. and we're still trying to be like, but what if Dexter right. murders? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Harrison wants to wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about yeah. your existential dread. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it actually was so great to have the room to go to when COVID first hit and to sort of have something to do and to not actually have to stress about it all the time. I feel like that helped me get through it a lot. And, and, uh, and, and the way we did it was like, I went into the, the offices that we had because nobody was in those offices and uh, was by myself. Sometimes I brought my dog, uh, Mia, and then yeah. uh, set up the Zoom camera toward all the boards. And then uh, you guys were all somewhere else and I had my ear pods in. And every once in a while, like the the custodian of the building, or whatever, would sort of look in the look in the room, and I'm in there by myself, maniacally writing all over the boards and talking to yeah. no one, <laughs> laughing, <laughs> laughing at an alley joke, yeah. and you know they have no idea what's happening. Yeah, Just, on shows uh, since then, people have been like, "Well, what's your Zoom protocol?" And I thought of Dexter. I'm like, "Well, we could rent an office, but only one guy will go there, and he will be half yeah. the board." And be looking at ten yeah. screens. Like, it was just very strange when we think of it now, because that's it was like on the fly. Yeah. But it saved us. I like. I felt it felt closer to normal anyway. Yeah, know. it was like this tiny touchstone of the original room that really I think allowed us to kind of stay focused because it was when you had to look at the electronic board. Yeah, it was just it was just so hard to sort of look at that and be looking at faces and like being able to see you physically right on the board. Yeah. It was really calming. Yeah. <laughs> and I have great handwriting uh, as opposed you have to such Tony, good handwriting. Tony Saltzman's handwriting, which was. <laughs> yeah. Not great. In, you know, if there's anyone that's a no. serial killer in our show, it's probably him. Yes. Um. <laughs> Anytime it's a mix of uppercase and lowercase, <laughs> like letters without rhyme or reason you're like something's happening it's like it's like dysfunction yeah, in the brain shock like uh shapes with the with the lines yeah and then angling yep. down the board is just yeah crazy it's um, an art writing on the board you and you definitely is, have it scott i well, think that's I, why you've been so successful that's what i tell I, this is the not like when people go so you know how do you break into the industry i'm like have good penmanship <laughs> And offer to run a board, because then you can hide until you get really good, <laughs> and you look like you're always contributing because you're writing everybody's good ideas down, mm -hmm. and and you and then you're also like imprinting in your head what works, you know? Right. Um, you know, it always amazes me when I meet young writers and they're like, "Yeah, I would do it, but my handwriting's bad." I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> "Get better. Yeah. You can practice. <laughs> yeah, you can do anything. We're 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 great." Um, so let's talk about the process of breaking this episode. Um, uh, the title, I can't remember who came up with the title. Did you guys like, because you, you guys sort of split I, this thing up, right? It was- It's uh, a Clyde Phillips special for sure. Oh, was that, was that Clyde? He yeah, had yeah. it and he had it from the very beginning, I feel like. Like it was, was one of the few titles that I feel like we always kind of knew what it was and it always stuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's my memory of it. No, that's that's that sounds I right. Because he, right. 
Because because this was this was um, I remember we were all very excited about this being the return of Dexter Morgan, the blood spatter mm-hmm. analyst. You know, absolutely the CSI guy, um, which had to be great for you, Kirsten. Now that I know that you yeah. secretly <laughs> just want to be a, a forensic analyst. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, it was very exciting to write that cave scene, but it was also really, it was a hard scene to write because you were dealing with, on one hand, you have Dexter and he's so excited to do this thing and it's this thing that the audience has wanted to see him do. And so just like keeping him excited, but also this horrible thing has happened yeah. and it's very specific and emotional to Angela. So you know, even though Dexter is not somebody who's always the most in touch with human emotions, like it's a, he had to walk that line of like, he he couldn't, you know, portray it with complete glee. Yeah. You know, he had to be respectful of what's happening and she is obviously trying to be professional, but also dealing with something so personal. And, uh, yeah, it took a lot of, uh, writing and rewriting to get it to a place that, felt real. Yeah. Because everything's heightened, you know. This is the, the core of, Ange- of Angela is looking for, the, looking for her best friend and hoping something terrible didn't happen, but knowing in her soul something did. And then you got Dexter's like, oh boy, a body. <laughs> yeah, that really comes across in the scene too. Like it feels like, okay, well, he is at least the exact right person to be here when this happens because yeah. he just kind of goes into that mode and it's very fun to watch as a fan and also understanding that he's going to get to that place, but you also see it as a way that he can be there for Angela. Yeah. And it's also one of those rare moments in the show. I mean, I remember just talking about this in the room, like, is it good or is it bad? But we ultimately said it was good where the audience is ahead of Dexter. Most times we're with Dexter. We, we find out things when he finds out things, but uh, you know, every once in a while we'll show the serial killer before Dexter knows who it is. But in this one, Dexter has no idea when he's about to get pulled over. He thinks it's just another, you know, bump, bump, bump in the road. <laughs> <laughs> and instead it ends up uh, being Dexter Morgan. Um, right. I remember another like sort of little, little argument in the room, not argument, but just like discussion that we had in the room was as Dexter is going over the body, the decision to like pull the tooth out or not to pull the tooth mm-hmm. out, or um, and ultimately we landed on popping that yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, the internet might you know <laughs> come for us. I don't know; it might not be protocol, but it just felt like such a satisfying moment to see the tooth, to see you know him take it and. I think it worked really well. Yeah. It's, it's really creepy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like visually, it's... And that, that body was great. On set, it was um, Melanie Tooker and K&B uh, came to set with this, with this desiccated body and jeans and, you know, the, the Mohawks sweater. Yeah, uh, it looks know, great. Because this yeah. high school used to be... It looks really good. Yeah, it was, it was great. The high school used to be the Mohawks and then they changed it to Hawks because... They should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was great in the room also. Audrey and Harrison have some tough moments in this episode. Post the big wrestling sequence and her, you know, the, the episode before they have sex, it feels great. They're a little worried about their parents, but it thinks like it's going to be all right. And then she goes to see her, you know, her potential boyfriend go to wrestle and he breaks that kid's arm and suddenly 
Uh, yeah. Not so sure on? this is the best guide for you. <laughs> like, if anything gives you pause, you know, it's pure violence. So <laughs> good for Audrey for setting a boundary and saying, you know what? Let's take it slow. Let's talk about this. No, I remember when we when you guys turned in this draft, it like it felt so it felt so authentic. Just their whole mm-hmm. that, their whole journey this episode. You want to talk about breaking that and writing that and Audrey and Harrison and I mean, there was a lot of pressure, I think, in the room to have Harrison's story really feel not just meaningful with Dexter, but also meaningful as like, this is a kid who's having a father for the first time, and then he's going into school and everything's new. And so there was a a lot of effort to make that relationship with him and Audrey really organic and playing some elements of his internal life coming out with her that she was also seeing, not just Dexter seeing it. So it kind of permeates the whole situation. So we were definitely cared a lot about having her notice that and recognize that this is a kind of fucked up thing that she has seen him do. And he, when she mentions it, he can't handle that and is kind of like, okay, well then maybe we shouldn't hang out. They handle themselves well, those two, those two kids. And it's, it's funny. It took, it, took, it took me a while to sort of like wrap my head around having all these like teenage stories on Dexter after eight years. Like we rarely would dip into that world, but uh, it feels good. feels right. And you guys like that stuff a lot, huh? We loved it. I mean, I think it was, that was one of the really fun challenges about coming on board this version of the show was that we weren't just telling Dexter's story. We were also going to tell Harrison's story and, and make him, you know, a second protagonist in so many ways and sort of like, and give him a life that sometimes we go see scenes, you know, of just him. Um, Since we were missing, you know, we were missing Deb, we were missing some of the previous characters. And, and because Harrison, you know, the last time we saw him, he was five years old. And obviously, we had no idea who he was. It was, it was so fun to just come up with every possible version of who this kid could be and what he's been through and how he would react. And now watching it come alive and just seeing the amazing casting that you guys did. Like, I mean, that breakfast scene when they're eating and it's just exactly the same. It's so beautiful. Like they're just like, we all have this vision of who Harrison would be, but like he was completely imaginary and to now see him so perfectly brought to life. And to not be, you know, I don't have that feeling when I'm watching him. I'm not thinking, oh, I w- what's up with Dexter? Like, I miss, yeah. you know, where sometimes you do when you're watching a show, you're just not interested in another character. And I feel like Harrison pops and he owns the screen in that way. And it's really exciting. And you, yeah, I mean, this this isn't... Oh, I was just going to say it, in, yeah, it injects like that sort of fun teen element of like, we see him going through some of these milestones that we maybe haven't gotten to see necessarily with Dexter as much except in flashbacks so it's like so cool to see like obviously we know this guy's father is a serial killer but like also he's worried about girls so it's you get to see that too and that's really fun (laughs) yeah he's not painfully awkward like uh those flashbacks of Dexter you know sweaty and Fun, fumbling around yeah. with knives <laughs> and pets, and <laughs> like not things. knowing how to yeah. talk to people. Like Harrison's cool. Yeah, like he comes in. He's you know he's got it. Like it's 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 very different than his dad. Yeah, and and speaking of of like spending time away from Dexter, this is a pretty 
there's a lot of time that's not spent with Dexter. We spend a lot of time mm-hmm. with Kurt and Angela. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the process of, of that storyline of, uh, I mean, because there's those big, long scenes of interrogation and Kurt in the, in, in the cell and, and Dexter on the outside. Because normally, back in the day, we always had Dexter involved with those things. So even when, when, when the big bad was in, was in jail, Dexter was able to like hover on the outside and talk to the, invest, you know, to the detectives. And in this one, he's the guy that's texting his girlfriend from the outside going, how's it going? <laughs> and uh, he hates life in the cheap seats. Want to talk about Dexter? I mean, uh, Kurt and Angela, all of that. I mean, it was it was another like really big thing of like when you first get assigned a script, you're so excited, and then you get home and you're like, "Oh crap!" Like we have these scenes <laughs> that like could make or you know, if it always yeah. feels like it could make or break the show. Like if you can, you know, confession scenes are always so hard, you know, and interrogation scenes like you know like you want to know what everyone is thinking and why they're pivoting and it's it was definitely a challenge um I think what was so helpful in writing those scenes is that Angela is not she's not purely there as a cop she's not purely there you know looking to solve a case this is the most personal case to her this is the thing that made her want to be a cop. This is the defining moment in her life where she took a turn, you know, because of this thing that happened and the regret that she feels over not going with Iris that day. And, and that question of what happened to her has just always been there. And to now have that answer and to possibly be close to figuring it out, you know, she's trying to be professional, but she's also like, barely holding it together. And so that, that made it, you know, that much more juicy to write and not a, just a typical, like, I want the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Police interrogation. Yeah. Exactly. And by exactly. the time we, I, what's his tell. Right. Right. And we had a lawyer <laughs> as you both knew in the room, like Warren was, you know, <laughs> and right. I, I feel like we had a lot of those Warren. conversations where everybody kind of knew what we were driving toward, but it was, it was delicate to see how we got there. Um, and there was definitely that, um, we, I think Scott and Clyde called it like the, the heat scene of Dexter and Kurt oh. in the diner where it was kind of going to be, Woo. yeah, like a game-recognized game moment and that that was going to be the moment when Angela kind of came in to, to get what she thought was going to be her win um, and then it doesn't yeah. turn out that way. And I, I know we had a lot of conversations about that. And also just like, what is Dex, what is Dexter doing sitting down having pie with this guy right now? Right. <laughs> that look she gives Dexter. There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot is said in that look. And Dexter's just like, hey, good, arrest him. Get him out of here. Right. <laughs> he's kind of oblivious yeah, there. Yeah, because he's, he's giving her all these clues throughout the episode of like, maybe I shouldn't, you know, like he explained yeah. himself before and it seemed to work. And now it's like, there's a lot of things adding up. And in that final Molly scene, you're like, Oh crap. <laughs> She's definitely now got her eye on him in a way that like he thought he had, you know, kind of taken care of and what's going to happen. Yeah. That whole scene, I remember, yeah, there was lots and lots of conversations. I think it, I think when we were breaking that on the board, the, sorry, the diner scene, mm-hmm. right? It felt like we had like mm-hmm. three boards of that thing at one point or another. <laughs> 
And then it yeah, ended up being it was detailed. Yeah, but bringing it down further and further and further. Were you pleased with the uh, the the true story, the way it was shot, the way Sandy put that all together? That little kid, that little kid, by the way, was a yeah. great performer. But uh, your feelings watching that. I mean, what's so crazy is that it's, you know, it's been so long since we've been in the room and obviously we've gotten uh, pictures and stuff. But for those of us who didn't get to be on set, like you kind of move on and you sort of do the next project and you forget about it. And then just starting to watch it and and sort of being like, oh, right, I wrote that. Oh, my God, that was so cool. Oh, this is this part. This is when this happens. And like, you know, it's. I've really been able to watch so much of the season as a fan because I was a huge Dexter fan before this. And so getting to write on it and then also having the experience of actually getting to watch it and, and having that slight amnesia has been <laughs> awesome because I completely forgot. Like it, when it got, came to that moment, I was like, Oh, right. That's what happened to Kurt. Yeah. His dad was the jerk. Right. And it's a huge revelation. <laughs> dad was a jerk. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it has a lot of symmetry for the moment of this season too, because you're watching that little kid seeing his dad doing this really messed up stuff. And it just echoes in a way, mm-hmm. like it's the, almost the perfect uh, villain. And just the way too, that Angela doesn't believe it to her credit, but also the viewers understand what, what we're really seeing, um, you know, with yeah. the, with the, the child seeing what's happening and then with what Iris's actual demise. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Uh, how you guys put together that that final that final scene between Dexter and Harrison after after Harrison like slashes the kid and Dexter grabs his son and saves saves him from the Moose Creek kids mm-hmm. sounds like another spinoff show the Moose Creek <laughs> Kids right <laughs> more of a comedy but <laughs> yeah I mean I think in the room that was a big pivotal moment that everyone was building toward and then in the process yeah. of the actual collaboration on the script, which was Kirsa and Veronica and myself, like that yeah. was clearly going to be the oh shit reveal of wait, Harrison actually remembers everything. And so all the tiptoeing around that Dexter's been doing, you know, obviously Harrison doesn't remember anything about Dexter's culpability in any of it, but he's now realizing the worst connection I could have possibly had with my son and that I was hoping I never would would have with him is the connection I have with him and that we were both quote unquote born in blood and that kind of thing. So I yeah. know we approach that with a lot of, a lot of gravitas, um, that final movement at the end. Yeah. The, um, and then, you know, you guys got to write a Trinity scene. Yay. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. That was just purely us wanting him back. Like no one else was fighting for it. It was just like yeah. Pierce is obsessed with John Lithgow. She never no. stops talking about it's, him. <laughs> right. I mean, why not? <laughs> He's so good. Lithgow was incredible, just slipping back into that that mm-hmm. thing, you know, that that Trinity person once again. Uh, we had a little baby on set. You know, like a you know, like year and a half, two year old who was sitting there, and uh, he would sing songs to him. You know, covered in blood. <laughs> no awareness of how terrifying that must yeah, be. Yeah. That now, 
20 years from now, we'll be doing a podcast about right. that poor kid. I know, the kid loved him. Yeah, it was because he was singing, he was singing a song about walking a dog, you know. Um, you only hear good things was, about, uh, about John. <laughs> you guys have a lot of great stories about him from the original run where he was apparently like such a great guy. And so it was nice to then get that. Game for yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Clyde can do his voice so well. I don't know if this is of interest to listeners, but Clyde can perfectly imitate his voice. And, and he'll so do when it. he would be pitch things in the room, he would he'd do it, and it's so eerie because <laughs> he just does it's yeah, it's like he's right there. And so he would always sort of act out those moments. And you know, after having the moment in uh, four where you sort of hear the podcast and getting to see sort of the reverse of it, and it was really important to us to actually to go back to it. Like if we were going to flash back to anything, we needed to see that and realize like how similar it was for Dexter and also doing it in the same episode where we're seeing Kurt have this very defining uh, traumatic moment, you know, just takes the fear level of what we're worried about for Harrison as high as possible, which was the goal. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then Dexter comes to the conclusion that I'm going to have to tell him everything. And then Elric Kane comes and messes everything up. Classic <laughs> Elric Kane. Yeah. Classic Kane. Classic. These classic guys Kane. always have the worst names. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Nothing good comes from an Elric. <laughs> oh, uh, Kirsten, I just wanted to give props to you also. Like, uh, have you heard the Molly Park podcast yet? I have, and I was so excited because yeah, because you wrote I did a lot of, of that. Write that first draft of that, yeah, yeah. and and it's like it is so exactly what I thought. And she is such a great actress, and it, like I just I love the way you guys styled her. Like her hair is <laughs> different than I thought, but is so like perfect for that like L.A. girl and. Um, yeah, I want more of it. Like, can we keep that podcast going? Because I thought it was really, it was, it's everything. Because I am a huge murder podcast fan. I love it. and But I also understand that it is a little bit predatory and inappropriate sometimes, you know, and you are like, especially the ones that have like a comedic element, like you're yeah. talking about these things that did happen to people and you're joking about it. And so that's always, yeah, you, you both are entertained and feel a little bit gross. And I thought, it's murder, uh, but that it's came fun. Alive perfectly, right? And yeah. you know, I mean, it is murder, so you kind of have to laugh about it, right? Otherwise, it's so terrible. But uh, I thought, yeah, I just want more, more Molly. Yeah, more I told Mary I told Jamie Kill. you were sort of like the go-to voice for that for for, for <laughs> podcast stuff. Uh, had that perfect blend of truth and fun and off the beaten track sense of humor for it. Yeah. Thank you. I, I yeah. the, the hours and hours. I've spent doing that and like murder documentaries <laughs> finally feels like yeah. it paid off. That was the only <laughs> like, reason why you did it. It was for yeah. something. It, it wasn't just me being weird <laughs> and dark. <laughs> like it was research. I just didn't but know. I it. also think like, you know, I feel like a lot of shows in the era of podcasting, like people will try and, you know, throw something in there, but this character feels fully realized. The The podcast feels really real, like something you would really hear um, and also her relationship with Angela feels authentic because she does kind of begin to care and has a moment of like, well, I know what I do is kind of icky. Um, so it, it really feels like perfectly calibrated um, and has a great 
yeah. a great effect. And she's able, to, and she's willing to go anywhere to get to the truth at any time, at any place, you know. <laughs> and we've all heard those podcasts where the the, mm-hmm. the the host is talking about how they're like, I think this person's the murderer, and they live inside this house, and I probably shouldn't go in and confront them, but I'm about to go do that, yeah. you know. And you're just right? like, oh, no, I'm gonna take you. You're like, yeah. don't, but do, because I'm yeah, so please. into it, right? And it's yeah, exactly. He's That's inside exactly sharpening what, knives right, right now, but. <laughs> And I'm going to ask him why. To be fair, he works as a knife sharpener, but. (laughs) Yeah, well, hey, man, thank you so much, Kirsten Alley, for coming on the podcast and for writing and being such a huge part of this season of Dexter New Blood. Uh, We literally could not have done it without you two. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having us. And it was the best, I think it was the best job for both of us. So yeah, it was great to work with you too, Scott, because you were like the number one banner holder for Dexter and you were such like a wealth of information the whole time. Just really having that deep knowledge. It was great. Eight years on Yeah, we'd be like, what happened? And he'd be like, well, in this one episode, this (laughs) was always, you knew everything. And it was also great because you would just explain things if we didn't understand something. You'd be like, well, no, here's what was happening. Because <laughs> <laughs> I came up like you yeah, guys. Like I was being a writing, an insider. Yeah. yeah, I was a writing assistant on season one, you know, and uh, moved, moved all the way up through it, held on tightly. Well, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Uh, listen every Tuesday and subscribe to the Dexter New Blood wrap-up wherever you get your podcasts. And watch Dexter New Blood Sundays only on Showtime. This official podcast of the Showtime original series, Dexter New Blood, is produced by Showtime in conjunction with Malka Media.